This week on Three Questions with Corey Kareem. When I got off the next morning at seven in the morning, I got home. Soon as I opened my door, the buzzer from the oven was going off, mm. which means, you know, my brain imme- immediately panicked because that meant that she never got to the oven to take the chicken out. Wow. So I'm running through the home. I'm screaming for um, found her in my basement unconscious. Wow. She had the phone in her hand. Wow. Now, before we get started with this beautiful conversation, please help a brother out and click on that follow button on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Three Questions with Corey Kareem, the podcast where we sit down with some amazing people who are doing some amazing things. And that's right. You guessed it. We asked them three questions, sometimes four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I know, I know, I know. I read the comments. But rather than talk about my guests, their wins or their successes, uh, we tend to start off by talking about their failures. At least we start the conversation from there, but more specifically, the lessons that they learn from those individual experiences. So uh, with that being said, uh, my guest today started her career as an administrative assistant for the FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. Now, in and around the DMV area, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, she is known as an enthusiastic, passionate leader and a serial entrepreneur heading an organization that is driven in supporting the world's wisest, saw what you did there, generation of people <laughs> through quality in-home care support services. Additionally, she's also an author, debuting her book, The Playbook of a Mindset Snob, Mastering Your Mind for Success. But it's not just a book, y'all. It's the cornerstone mm-hmm. of a vibrant community that she's sculpting. Now, this community isn't for the faint-hearted. It's a sanctuary for the bold, the vibrant, the disruptors, the intra and entrepreneurs hungry for guidance and empowerment. So without further ado, Bianca Wise, welcome to the podcast. Damn, Corey. All right, I'm, I'm going to have to get you on the team. For- <laughs> I like that. I like that. What's up, Corey? What's up? What's up, Bianca? Welcome to the podcast. Now, Bianca, I, I tend to to ask this to all my guests that come on on, on the podcast. Um, when you heard when you heard that, right? Was your response when I'm rhyming back your your accolades, your accomplishments, accomplishments? Excuse me. How did you feel? Was it more on the side of is he talking about me, or is it more like, yeah, that's right? Uh, I would say a little bit of both. Mm. Um, I, I I would say today it was 30% is that me and <laughs> 70% yeah that's that's me uh-huh I got receipts <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know um it, it's a transition and it's a process and every new level that we hit you know there is an adjustment period behind that you know <laughs> we're humans so you know do I believe in imposter syndrome uh I don't really believe in labeling things because it, it kind of puts us into this mindset that that's what it is. When honestly, you know, the truth is what we make it. 
So, mm. yeah, I'm that chick. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting in early. We're getting into this early. The truth is what you make it. I like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to that one. I'm going to hold on to that one. So, uh, Bianca, I, I know that I, I just gave you quite a bit of an intro, but is there anything you else that you would like to add to to what I, I just described about who you are and what you do? Um, you know, to simplify it, I'm just a girl from Baltimore mm. that never gives up. Um, it just so happens that I'm a trailblazer. I'm a CEO. I'm a published author. And I'm a soon-to-be international speaker. I have my first speaking engagement book for March. Where where, where are you going to be speaking? Barcelona, Spain. Woo! You're talking really international. Sometimes Americans <laughs> like to like flex that, oh, I'm international speaking. They're speaking in Canada. And we're like, right. eh, it's, it's like, yes, technically, but like, you know. <laughs> Not. Yeah, you gotta use the passport. But. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not really international, like you know, like. But yeah, sure, technically, but that's so you really international. You're going overseas, so that's amazing. Congratulations to you on that. Thank you, thank you. Um, Barcelona, I've been there once. Uh, pretty beautiful city. Uh, Love um, it there. Yes. Now, so that's awesome. Um, okay, so girl from Baltimore, and also, so I see that there's this. I gotta ask you a question because off, off, off camera, you were talking about carnivals, and you asked me which carnival is the best, and this and that is Toronto up there. I gave you my answer. I said just for y'all that are listening, I said Toronto is not number one in carnival. I say it's more on the lines of New York and Miami, and I think more so. You know, Brazil's Carnival and Trinidad are, are kind of number one and probably UK number two. But so my question is for you, Bianca, um, when it comes to that kind of uh, rivalry between Baltimore and D.C. with the, the, the go-go music, house music, like, where oh, do you stand on that? Really? Corey, I think you already know the answer to this. Like, it's Baltimore all day, okay? Yeah. It like like I was saying, it's Baltimore versus y'all whores. Like you know, <laughs> it, it, be more like be more. you know. It, and it's funny because that it that is we like forty five minutes away from each other. Yeah, yeah, you guys are real <laughs> but close. The culture, you know, with a lot of things is so contrasting. But it's it's a fun it's a fun debate. Yeah. Um, I was just talking about this like a week and a half ago with somebody. Like you asked somebody, like, where are you from? Baltimore mm -hmm. people gonna say, "Oh, I'm from Baltimore." Yeah. Like everybody else, they'll be like, "Oh, I'm from Maryland." Yes. Oh, you from Prince George's, right? Yeah. 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 PGC. <laughs> Shout out to PGC. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's funny, and I also I got an affinity for that 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 strong Baltimore accent, man. That the what is it? The the U's, you guys, the the, the, the all the U's, <laughs> the U U's. too. Yeah. Hulu. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny. It's every every time I come across that, I just I just start cracking them. I, I can't help. Look, it. I I've been all around the world, right? Mm -hmm. And two things that I cannot escape. Mm -hmm. The first thing people be like, "Where are you from?" Or either they'll already call it. They'll be like, "You from Baltimore?" Ain't you like, "Yeah." Mm -hmm. How can you tell? They like I can hear. It. Or when I say I'm from Baltimore, people are like. Oh my God, The Wire! That was my yeah. favorite show. I I yeah. was in Belgium mm -hmm. and met a couple, a old Caucasian, well Australian couple, mm -hmm. and they were like, 
The Wire was their favorite show. Right. All the way in Australia. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a hit. And, you know, speaking of The Wire, I got into The Wire like after it aired on HBO Live. I got into it maybe five years after the fact. And mm-hmm. I fell in love and I just I watched it like back to back to back to back seasons. It was a it was a great right. phenomenal uh, show. And and actually to be real with you. That was my introduction to Baltimore. I had passed through the city a couple of times traveling to like Virginia and, and North Carolina and whatnot, but I never really knew anything uh, much about Baltimore. So that was my introduction uh, to the, the city. The only thing I'll say about the show, it was phenomenal, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't really subscribe to people believing that that is, is you know, that, Baltimore. That, yeah. yeah, that's a pocket, right? That's, yeah. that's, one side uh, real sure. metropolitan that has challenges. But I think the one thing the show does speak to is how the underdogs really can step on a stage mm-hmm. and, and like become conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Bianca, let's get into this. Um, tell me about the most difficult moment you've experienced or a challenging period that you had to overcome in either your professional career or your personal life specifically, you know, what happened, how'd you get through it? And most importantly, what did you learn from it? Mm. You know, that's deep because, um, for me, I've always been one to not particularly show vulnerability Mm -hmm. or open up. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a lot of factors that go into that. But I'll I'll pin it back to one particular situation, which was a growing pain for mm-hmm. me. Um, and I talk about it a little bit in my book. It's um actually when my mom passed away. Mm-hmm. So my mom passed away in 2005. And um, I was just getting really started with my fire department career. Right. Um, and at the time I was a paramedic. and um, you know, I, I was always a great clinician. I was always a very skillful, very critical thinking, forward thinking, you know, first responder and paramedic. And my mom suffered with kidney disease for a very long time. So her health, you know, has started to fail. Mm. And um, I I watched that and I witnessed that. Right. But at the time we were doing the best that we could. Right. You know, um, she was keeping up with her doctor's appointments. You know, we were doing all the things that she taking the medicine and everything. And it got to a point where she became, you know, a little bit more dependent. So I moved her in with me mm-hmm. so I could like keep an eye on her. Mm-hmm. And to um, fast forward to like the the slap across the face for me, um, you know, in in the in the department I was working for, we had to work overnight for 14 hours. Mm. So um, one night I was getting ready for work and I just could tell that my mother was not feeling well. Um, But my mother was one, you know, that strong black woman, strong black mother. She never complained about much. And I kept asking her, I said, do you want me to not go to work so I can take you to the hospital? And she's like, no, 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 go to work, go to work. Okay. So 
I put some chicken in the oven for her uh, right before I left for work. And I put the timer on the oven and I said, well, mom, when the timer goes off, the chicken is ready. Just make sure you come down, get the chicken out. Okay. Mm. Boom. I leave for work around 4 p.m. And um, I actually worked in the neighborhood that I lived in, which was quite convenient. Mm -hmm. Um, During that shift, uh, I received a medical call like a block over from where my house was 2 Mm a.m. in the morning. Like I had to ride past my house to get to this call. And as I'm riding past my house, I noticed that the lights on the main level was on in the Mm -hmm. home. And I said to myself, like that intuition, that, that intuition that we all have, right? It was so loud and clear. And it was like, huh, that's strange that these lights are on two o'clock in the morning. Right. Knowing the habits of my mother, like she's not going to be up two o'clock in the morning. There was no reason to have the lights on two in the morning, but I ignored that intuition. And once I cleared the call, I just went back to the station. When I got off the next morning at seven in the morning, I got home. Soon as I opened my door, the buzzer from the oven was going off, Mm. which means, you know, my brain immediately panicked because that meant that she never got to the oven to take the chicken out. Wow. So I'm running through the home. I'm screaming for um, found her in my basement unconscious. Wow. She had the phone in her hand. Wow. So, you know, as that first responder that's out here saving other people, now I have to call on my coworkers to come help me. Right. Right. So um, fire department shows up. The people that I just relieved, <laughs> that just relieved me to get off that morning, they show up. You know, we taking her down to the hospital. They let me ride in the back, um, you know, while we're heading down there. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, I have to save my mother. Like, she was so critically ill. I could I could see her, like, slipping away right in front of me. Right. I'm starting IVs. I'm yelling at the other paramedic. That, that's the one that's really supposed to be in charge of the call. And, uh, you know, we get her to the hospital. They tell me what I already know. Um, and she ended up passing away the next day. Wow. So that honestly, for me, was the toughest, most challenging time personally and professionally, because what haunted me for a very long time is I'm out here saving all these people or making the best attempt at strangers, people that I have, you know, I don't know, I don't have relationships with. When that bell goes off, we just go out and we do. But when it came to my mother, mm. how did I allow that to slip through? Right. And that is something that like, and at the time I was going through a divorce. Um, you know, I was married early in my twenties and that whole situation was a whole mess. And like, I, I was slipping, mm. I was slipping. Mm. Um, but you know, the loss of anybody is, is hard, you mm-hmm. know, um, when it comes to your mother, in my opinion, <laughs> like that, that is like a part of my heart, literally, you know, mm-hmm. went with me. 
went with her. And um, it took years for me to recover from that. Wow. Like years. Um, wow. It wasn't, a, you know, you have very close friends that step in that kind of know that you're not right. Mm-hmm. You know, coworkers that I was close with could tell, you know, um, but that grief, you know, grief shows up in so many different ways mm-hmm. and is different for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. so that started like a process for me to learn how to release, how to ground myself. Um, I started going to therapy, you know, I got through the divorce <laughs> and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, every day just ex- like extending grace to your own self being in the fire department you know we we are were considered heroes so you don't get much time off of bereavement at the apparent like i think they only gave me like four days for a parent Mm -hmm. but um you know co-workers stepped in to make sure they they would work shift and cover shifts for me and stuff just so i could have that time you know, to kind of process and and get myself back together. Right, right. No, first of all, thank you for sharing that. I know, um, you know, the the, the loss of a loved one is always a difficult time and a different, difficult period to go through. So, Bianca, what would you say, what would you say you learned from that, that moment, that period in your, in your life, losing your mom uh, in the early 2000s? I learned along with so so it's it's layered because mm-hmm. as a first responder right the only time we show up for people is death destruction tragedy or crisis mm-hmm. right so for 20 years of my life that's what i experienced mm-hmm. just from a professional standpoint and then for my mom to pass away my mom was so young she was 49 years old when she passed away oh wow Wow. That for me was just like, yo, life, you gotta, you gotta ride this thing to the fullest, like every day, like strife and depression and mad at people and all that. Like it ain't worth it. Hmm. It's not worth it because life is so fragile. So hmm. you gotta wake up every day and make the best attempt to try to make it a good, at least try to make it a good hour. (laughs) Right. You know? No, I love that. I love that. You know, so to let you in here, um, my grandmother passed away this August, September, Mm. August, September, around that time frame. And, you know, with her, you know, she was ill for quite some time. So we saw the health declining over about a period of about eight years. Um, so we knew it was only a, a matter of time. And sometimes I ask myself, is it better when someone dies kind of quick and tragic? Or is it better when, or worse, mm-hmm. when you see them kind of gradually decline? Mm-hmm. You know, I think they have their pros and their cons. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, the the quick and tragedy one is like at least it wasn't like suffering over a mm-hmm. long period of time that's the benefit of that and then the benefit of 
the slow and gradual is like at least you get to spend time with them and you're you're very conscious of the fact that time is ticking so to speak but then you're seeing this person uh decline and being really a, a shell of themselves right and to your point you know i did the eulogy at, at both of my grandmother and grandfather's funeral and i actually ended it both saying the same thing and it was something i took from the speaker les brown i don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. he had this thing said you know live full die empty which kind of speaks to your point about, you know, life is short. You don't have a lot of time on this planet. Um, Holding those grudges, staying angry is not really worth it in the big scheme of things. Mm -hmm. And another thing that I read, and you'll probably relate to this being a first responder, um, there was an article written in the UK some time ago. I think it was like 2011. And it was was called, uh, uh, this, this lady actually, she worked in, um, I think it's called palliative care that, you know, in your last mm-hmm. three months, what what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was a nurse that did that. And she started to journal the last 90 days of the dying. And she came up with a book, I think it's called uh, The Five Regrets of the Dying. Mm. And the number one regret, she said, of people in their last days um, is not living a life true to themselves. Yep. And, you know, again, going back to your point, you know, a lot of things happen in life, but we do have a choice, what we want to hold on to, what we want to give our energy to. And I think that's something that helps me, you know, drive me. Like I had a, I call it, I don't know if I call it a, 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 a like a, an epiphany or a dream. I said this to Angel when we had our discussion and I woke up in a, this dream or this epiphany and sweats thinking that I only had six months left to live. Now, thank mm. God it wasn't true. But it felt so real to me. And I started to ask myself, what would I do differently? So I always look at myself or my life from that perspective every couple of months because I want to make sure that I'm maximizing my time on this planet. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, as a as a first responder and a medic for so long, you know, I I have seen the full cycle of life. Mm. Right. That that is something that many people in this life are not able to say. I have been there to catch babies mm. on the side of the road in the home, the birth of babies. And I have been there holding hands of people taking their last breath, pretty much including my mother. Right. Wow. And, you know, everything in between that. And like when when you put that into perspective, you mm-hmm. know, when somebody just sets out on their regular routine, they're just going to go to work do what they need to do, but they never make it to work. Right. right? Or they make it to work and they die at their desk. Mm. You know, um, then things become a little bit more lighthearted for me. Like, you know, I you get around family gatherings and, and that uncle or that pop still got salty around something that happened 35 years ago. And it's like, man, let that shit go. (laughs) Please. I know, right? Change the subject. Let it go. Let it go. A hundred percent. It's it's interesting because I thought about it. Actually, when you said, you know, your job was when you were a paramedic, going around saving other people's lives. And then you weren't there in time to kind of, you know, save your mom's own life, like how serendipitous life is like that. Like, it's just very interesting to kind of hear that. And then you bring up another point about 
you know, people go off to work and some of them don't return home. And I, I had this conversation with a few different friends and I said, you know, most people who die, unless you're, you're pronounced with a, a terminal illness, don't know the day they're going to die. Mm-hmm. Unless you're like a, you know, a POW, a prison in a war camp or something like that, where you, you figure out your days are numbered or you have a terminal illness. Most people who leave their own home, they don't know that this could be their day, right? This is going right. to be their day. So again, it just puts life into perspective. Life is short. Uh, live full, die empty is the message, yep. y'all. Um, so let's switch gears here for a second. Um, so let's talk about your book, The mm-hmm. Mindset Snob, which I mm-hmm. love that name, by the way. It got me really curious when I saw that. So my my first question to you here is, what is a mindset snob and where did your inspiration come from to write the book and offer your, your coaching services? Sure. So, um, the, the mindset snob is a physical manifestation of myself. Mm. So honestly, I'm going to break it down for you. Cause I, I get this question a lot. People are like, what does that mean? And so a mindset snob really is someone that has a high class thinking, mm-hmm. like um, they think for themselves, which usually results in thinking differently than most. Right. <laughs> um, it can be seen as disruptive thinking. Um, you know, I think Thomas Edison is the one that had this quote back in his day that says like 5% of people think, 10% of people think they think. And then 85% of people would rather die than to think. Wow. (laughs) And when you listen to those words, that's like pretty profound, but you start Mm -hmm. to, you know, observe your surroundings and people honestly don't think for themselves a lot of times. Mm. Um, But when people really take on that power of thinking for yourself, you know, it, it leads to you becoming um, transformative mm. and and expansive, which I believe that's part of the human experience. We're supposed to be transforming and expanding right. at, you know, reaching all types of levels. And then the, the, the mindset snob, they just win. They win at everything they do. Mm. Um, and snob also is an acronym. It it stands for seeking new opportunities boldly. Seeking new opportunities boldly. boldly. Love it. Yeah. So as that relates to me, Bianca Wise, you know, started my career young, working at the FBI, uh, got up one day a month after 9-11 and said, I quit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, That led me into um, you know, the healthcare field, which I always admired and, and loved. So, um, started working for an emergency department, got an affinity to the EMS crews and the fire department that was coming in mm-hmm. that led me into the fire department. Um, the fire department, you know, my trajectory got me to, um, promoting at nine years to the, um, rank of Lieutenant becoming the first black woman ever promoted in the 180 year history of that department. Wow. Um, 
and then waking up six years later and was like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> mm. And so I left. You know, it was not um, uh, an official retirement. I wrote a resignation letter, put my middle finger up and rolled out. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, five days, five years later, I'm sorry, you know, having um, a successful in-home care organization that I pretty much started um, a couple of months after leaving the fire department. And we're making, you know, over seven figures in revenue. Wow. So a lot of times people will ask me, well, how did you do all of this? And it's my mindset. Hmm. Wow. Wow, there's so much to unpack there. So let's talk about the 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 acronym, mindset snob. So you saying doing things, new opportunities boldly. So what's your what's your definition of bold? I think I have an idea, but just for my listeners, for my audience to be clear, how do you do something boldly? What is that what does that entail to do it boldly? It so to do it boldly. Mm-hmm. It's that you can't think about it. Like it's that impulsiveness that a lot of times people will teach us we need to Tone stay down. away from right. or protect ourselves from. Mm-hmm. And I always, you know, you connect the dots backwards. I was that child that had like the big imagination. Mm-hmm. And so I would ask questions to the world about things that I'm imagining and people couldn't answer it for me. So I was like, well, shit, let me see. Let me go test it myself. Right. You know, um, and 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 realistically, that is how how I got to becoming a trailblazer, hmm. because walking into Baltimore County, there was there was not a black woman in a position or a rank that, you know, or anybody that looked like me. So mm-hmm. it wasn't there. It wasn't there for me to aspire to. It wasn't tangible for me to touch. But I imagined that. And, you know, I'm questioning, like, well, why no other black woman has ever promoted? Nobody had the answers. So I'm like, well, shit, let me do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so that bold, taking that bold action, when when everything around you in the exterior says no or does not reflect what what you feel, you know, or or you know, there's nobody around you that has done it. Mm-hmm. Being bold is you saying, "Well, can I cuss? Am I?" Even- yeah, of course you can. Oh, okay, it's like fuck it. Well, <laughs> you know, let me be the change I want to see. Right. Right. You know, I don't know what president or somebody important said that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> like you got to be the change you want to see. So right. like and then if if you do go to other people and, and and try to get their advice or and they're telling you all these things like people can only speak to you from the level of their limitation. Mm. So people can tell you shit all day long. But right. if it's in your heart, look, I'm going after this. Like when when I when I started thinking about leaving the fire department, yeah. who leaves a good government job? Right. Twice. Like who does that? <laughs> and right. you know, it's like, oh, my health insurance. And you know, I was making a hundred plus thousand a year. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you crazy. Shit. Like I'm making a hundred 
something thousand a month now. What you mean? That's crazy. <laughs> wow. 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 You know what? It's interesting uh, about that. You said, you know, people will like kind of speak to their level or their level of their limitation. Um, I, I've, I've made that mistake before. I remember a friend of mine was kind of loosely asking me for advice. And I had just gone gone through a um, a layoff. And so I was like in a weird place. I wouldn't call it like a scarcity mindset, but like something along those lines. And um, they were thinking about doing the exact same thing, leaving a pretty stable situation for kind of a project-based situation, but it was a big opportunity, but it wasn't long-term. I was like, uh, you should think about this, da, 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 this and that. But I, I, so I get what you mean when you say that. And that's why I always say, got to be mindful because sometimes, you know, even if they're well-intentioned people and meaningful people and want to do right by you, you got to be mindful that everyone is coming from their, their experience and you don't mm-hmm. know where that person is necessarily in their journey, at least mentally, right? Because sometimes it's not always, it's not always visible. Exactly. And the other thing that kind of came to mind as you were kind of, you know, sharing your story about how you made these different moves and acted boldly is I think about when a lot of us go after big dreams and um, we sometimes share that with sometimes close people like family and close friends and they look at us awkwardly, like in your case, leaving a, a government job, making six figures in the early 2000s when, you know, things weren't that crazy expensive. You know, it does it does sound crazy to to people that are like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. But it, it kind of if I think of an analogy, it kind of reminds me of, you know, when you see a dog, let's say in a backyard or something like that. And he's like running around in circles and you're like, yo, what is this dog chasing? Like, what, what, What's wrong with this dog? He's crazy. That dog's out of his mind. But what you can't see is there's like a chipmunk or there's there's something in the grass there yep. that he's fixated on that no one else can see but him or her. And to us as outsiders, we're like, oh, something's wrong with that dog. Man. Yep. Right. And I think that's how people look at people where they can't see their vision. Right. They look crazy. They look delusional. (laughs) Yep. So that's what I thought about when you were sharing your story. And, you know, that's that's, you know, I want I want to make it clear that, you know, yes, constructive criticism and, you know, guidance. It is so, so, so important. Mm -hmm. Yes. However, you know, we we throw around the the. The is levels to this, right? Yeah, it is absolute levels to this. So, you know, if you do have a vision or, or, or a goal, you have to be intentional of who you're going to seek criticism and guidance from. Mm. You know, at this point, you know, having an operation of, of 50 plus employees and a million dollars in revenue, I'm, I'm not going to talk to the solopreneur. And that's mm-hmm. no shade to anybody, you know, about how to get to the five million mark at this point. Right. You know, I need to go talk to actually the person that's at the 10 plus million dollar mark in mm-hmm. order for me to, to get to the next level. And that that's one thing that I learned in the fire department 
um, as I went through fire service leadership training is balcony level thinking. Mm, So in order for me to make it to the level of lieutenant, I had to start thinking like the captain, Mm. right? To get when, to get to the level of the captain, I have to start thinking from the level of the battalion chief. So yeah, it is absolutely levels to this. And I need people to understand that. And, and our family and our friends, especially our family, the people that's closest to us, they're talking to us from a perspective of trying to protect us. Right. Right. And, and the, the, the intentions are good. The intentions are well, especially the people that really love you. So again, we had to meet people where they are. Like you can't be in here talking about, oh, I'm cutting off my family. And no, (laughs) understand we have to meet everybody where they are. And then you just have to find that tribe, find them accountability partners, those mentors that those coaches, um, that are impartial that can help you expand the mindset and your thought process and, and your behaviors and execution. Yes. I love it. I love it. So right on so many of those notes, man. Um, so much there, so much good gems there. Um, so Bianca, we're already one week into 2024. Can you believe that already? One week, pretty much actually one week tomorrow for the people listening. Um, so why is it important for us to set goals in the new year or does it even matter if we set them at the beginning of the year? Nope. (laughs) It does not matter. And it goes back to, um, you know, our initial discussion about life, Mm -hmm. right? We, we don't, we don't see the stopwatch. We don't see the time ticking. So, you know, every day, in my opinion, and every day for me is a fresh start. Right. So, um, the, the one thing the fire department also taught me, um, is to like relax. Like we gotta relax. Like we, we're not gonna, the, the one thing that, that I observe with all the rhetoric and conversation and things that's going on on social media, you know, the, this culture now of getting to the bag and on the grind and mm. entrepreneurship and this, all this bullshit. Ain't nobody talking about resting. Nobody's talking about like just just relaxing and enjoying the journey. Mm. Because then honestly, and and this is where I get deep. Like like I get deep with some stuff. Like there's never a destination. Mm. Because once we hit that goal, then we looking for the next goal. Absolutely. So relax in the journey and start to enjoy that. And so every day that you wake up, if you messed up yesterday, so the hell what? This is a new day. Mm. Like if, if you, if you set, set out to, you know, lose that 10 pounds by March and you get the March and you ain't losing yet. And you like, Oh, well, I'll just start again in January. Like how dumb does that sound? Mm. That, that sounds dumb as shit. Just start again. It's March 1st. You know, mm. so that's the long answer to your question. No, the new year doesn't, you know, time is relative and it's definitely an illusion. So 
every day should be the new start. 100%. And I think you kind of uh, alluded to this, but, you know, as a follow up, where do you think most of us go wrong when goal setting? And what are some hacks we can use to help us better accomplish our goals? Um, I think the one thing, the 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 one thing that's that stood out. Ask yourself: Are you setting goals that align with your true vision and your purpose, or are you watching somebody else in their journey and thinking that you can get that and you're trying to go for it? Yep, I think that's, that's a, it. That's a good one. And I think, you know, why that's a good one is, you know, you had Lucy just talked about social media and, you know, social media is a mixed bag, just like a lot of other pieces of technology, right? There's a lot of good and there's some bad that can come with it as well. And I think a trap that a lot of people fall into, and I've, and I've been one of those people, so I'm not pointing at anybody listening or watching is that you can see someone else have success, um, maybe that you know or that you're familiar with, and think that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. But that's that person's journey. And now you're trying to chase after someone else's dream, which isn't really meant for you, and you're not having the success that they're having, and now you're feeling some type of way, and now you're all in your feelings, and now you, you feel like you're a failure, and this and that. But, but really... To your point, you didn't really do the assessment with yourself and asked, is this what I really want? Exactly. Is this my purpose? Is this my calling? Is this what I fully believe in my heart of hearts when I'm supposed to be doing with my life? Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, again, from my personal story, and there's a chapter in my book that goes along um, that talks about individuality. Mm -hmm. So we are all placed here on our individual journeys mm-hmm. and we all, it doesn't matter how insignificant or significant we think people are. We are all here for a purpose and to mm-hmm. share something with the world to make it better. Right. And comparison is just so whack. Why, why, why are we doing this? I agree with you. Like social media is extremely powerful, extremely powerful. But when you are going after, if when you're on your own journey and you're going after your own goals, you have to be intentional of what you're taking in because media is, um, is, is the most influencing power over society and over our minds. Um, a lot of stuff is not real. <laughs> a lot of stuff we we observe and then based off of our insecurities, we turn it into something that it it ain't even doesn't that ain't even it. Mm, that's um, a good like one. there's a proverb that says like we don't see things as they are we see things as we are. Mm. So a lot of times we're projecting our own insecurities, our own jealousy, our own lack of self-confidence into things and creating a whole narrative that's not even there. Mm. Mm. So um, be intentional with this social media use. Like 
uh, you go to my mindset snob page on Instagram. I think I have like 750 followers or something, mm-hmm. you know, but here again, you know, dropping receipts, we cleared 1.2 million in revenue mm-hmm. in 23. So, right. you know, it, it's relative. Like, right. Why am I going to go on social media and look at pictures and reels of other people and sit there and compare? Because I only have 750 followers. Oh, my goodness. And I have a whole thriving, healthy, successful business going on off of social media. Like right. that, that's borderline sick, like right. seek therapy type stuff. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, we just had to be real mindful about all the things that we're we're taking in and absorbing. Yeah, and I think I think you hit it right on the nail. Um, I my one of my favorite words, Bianca, in, in the English language is perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, if we were able to kind of either widen our perspective, shift our perspective, one of the two, both, I think we'd be able to kind of get past those those mind traps, right? Yep. Uh, oh, I like that mind traps. Yeah, mind traps. Okay. I, I think we we kind of do it to ourselves, and I kind of took um like a a self-development course a while ago, maybe 2015. It's called Landmark, Landmark Forum. It was, um, they have a bunch of different ones. And I remember the instructor, he used this this term, that it's their word, they use it, they coined the phrase, um, and it was called a racket. He's like, everyone has their own version of the racket, which is a story that you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. And he said, everyone has a story. Right. He's like, the question is, is your story empowering you or is it disempowering you? Mm. Right. And he's like, regardless of what happened to you and, and Bianca, there was a, my class and session. It was like a 36 hour course. So it was over three days. And um, yeah, it was over three days, 12 hours a day. Um, and there was a young lady and and in my in my course, in my class. And she had a very powerful story, a very tragic one, unfortunately, where, you know, she was talking about her past marriage or failed marriage. And she talked about how her, her husband like raped her. Right. And mm. um, she's now at the time she was now newly remarried, I think maybe a, a year or two. And she was open and honest enough to to share that it was impacting the intimacy in her new marriage. Yeah. Right. Which is more than understandable, given the past circumstance. And, you know, I remember the instructor saying, you know, uh, to this young lady being like, you know, no one can ever change what happened to you. And what happened to you is sad and it's unfortunate. And I wish it didn't happen to you. But understanding for the simple fact that we can't change what happened, there's only one thing you can do is use your story to empower yourself and the way that you can do that is using your story to empower others Mm -hmm. so one could ask how could you do that maybe it's you create a community of women that have gone through similar issues like you did and you bring these women together to talk about it right that's just like an example Mm -hmm. so i've that that always resonated with me the fact that irrespective of what has happened to us, we all have a choice yep. of how we can use that that energy, that situation. And there's some really bad stuff that can happen to people. So I'm not trying to make light of 
any one situation. But I think at this point in the world, we've heard people come from the most craziest situations and have been able to make something uh, of themselves or of the situation. So, yeah. And I I think it's important because, you know, as we go about our days, people Mm -hmm. honestly believe that they are the only ones that go through stuff. Mm-hmm. And and I get it because when you are in the thick of stuff, you can feel mm-hmm. isolated, you know, lonely. And and then if you don't reach out, you know, or talk about it, you just never know. Right. But, you know, I think the understanding um, and this is something, again, from just from my experience as a first responder. Everybody life be fucked up like at, and and more jacked up at times, you know, it's the ebbs and flow. Like, mm-hmm. so I need, I would like people to get out their mind that, you know, like this term, oh, if you took a walk in my shoes, oh, well, wait a minute, hold on. Let me give you my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> hold on now. You want take, take these real, take these size eights real quick and take a walk in them. I'm pretty sure you'll be throwing them back at me. Cause right. we all go through stuff. You know, right. but like you said, it's it's that healing. Mm-hmm. You know, it is it is making that conscious decision to say, I am going to use this to empower me. I'm not going to allow this to control me. And, you know, hopefully I can tell my story or be inspiring to other people that have gone through something similar to help them get through their healing as well. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, my last major question for you here, Bianca, is why should we read your book and what makes your book different from other personal growth or or self-help books? (laughs) Oh, that's a that's that is a good question. So why should people read my book? Um, The the one word that I that that comes to mind when I think about me as a woman, me as a black woman, me as a former employee, me as an entrepreneur, you know, all all the things, all the labels is relatable. Mm. So the the one thing about the mindset snob, Bianca Wise is I am not showing up as someone who is a guru or a master or expert. Uh, I'm showing up as an individual that is having the same life experiences, you know, generally that we all are having, but I'm figuring out a way to still accomplish and win at my goals and mm. my vision. Mm. And I'm just sharing what I'm learning, what I have learned, what I've experienced with other people who believe the same, think the same, want, you know, similar things. Um, I don't want to make this hard. I don't want to make it complicated. I don't want to make it you know, elusive or feeling as if I'm all the way up on this platform and I can't really touch her. Like, no, like I'm, I'm a simple girl. 
Again, I'm from Baltimore. I cuss. I love to dance. Mm-hmm. I love pizza. I love the color pink. Like I got a crazy dog. Like all, like all of it. My husband be getting on my nerves. Like all of it. Like, <laughs> but and and you know you don't have to be some. You know, successful people are not people that that receive some extra dose of oxygen at birth, or you know, <laughs> was abducted by aliens and got injected by. Like, no, like we are all the same. It's just how we apply our perspective and our mindset towards life is either going to be growth and believing in yourself, having confidence, you know, mm-hmm. having faith. Um, or it's going to be scarcity. Right. And both of them are right. Like, that's that's the thing. Like, right. we are so free as humans that we can choose however we want to live. And, um, you know, whether it's scarcity, whether it's growth, you're going to get both. They're going to show up. Right. Um, but every day we have that choice to change it. Every day we have that choice and that freedom to say, all right, let me just shift one thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Instead of me getting up and going right to social media at 6 30 AM, let me get up, go to the bathroom, stretch mm-hmm. and affirm myself in the mirror for like five minutes. Right. You know, right. so little things, little, like little tweaks. Um, I was, I was, I did a live last week on Instagram about one of my favorite books, um, called Atomic Habits yes, by James Clear. Yes. Yep. And he like he 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 talks about how to like you know a lot of times we miss goals because it's so overwhelming. Like New mm-hmm. Year, New Me. Oh, I want to lose a hundred pounds, and I'm gonna do it in in ten weeks. Ma'am, stop, <laughs> sir, stop it. Like this, like let's break this down. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like break it down to the breakdown. Like let's get right. the small steps in place that you can get disciplined and consistent with and conquer and then let's move to the next you know part of this right i i loved a lot of what you just said there the relatability piece too is is very um very important because i think about you know i've done my own kind of survey with different folks uh colleagues and and what and when we talk about social media I think the biggest thread, the biggest common connector that connects people on social media is the rela- uh, relatability factor, right? If you think of what videos trend besides kind of like the comical stuff is when people are vulnerable and people find that very relatable, right? So that relatability mm-hmm. uh, uh, relatability factor, I believe, is is super important. And so I think that's a great point uh, uh, about your book about why people should read it. And then and the, the second point about, you know, um, people that are uber successful in life, they're not that much different from us is also another great point to point out. Um, because I think sometimes it's easy to just look at the result as someone and not realize they just did a lot of boring stuff day in and day out and gradually yep. got better. But, you know, the way that we're kind of hardwired in our society, we always just want the microwave results, the quick results, right? And I remember hearing, I don't know, if it was some podcast or some book, 
came across and he's like, what really separates in terms of athletes, what separates like the, the top 1% from everyone else? Yes, there's some genetic favorability going on with some athletes like a LeBron or something like that. But beyond that, what really separates top 1% athletes from everyone else is the ability to do the mundane over and over and over and over again. That's it. Like LeBron that James. That's it. <laughs> exactly. LeBron James, despite his genetic gifts, I'm pretty sure if he wasn't as consistent with his diet and gym and training, he wouldn't be in the NBA at this level nope. for this long. Nope. Right. That, and that, there's another book, um, Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. Um, Outliers. Mm-hmm. And so this this is what I mean. And you you hit it on the nose. This unsexy stuff, mm-hmm. right? So so social media is glamorizing entrepreneurship and is giving the false pretense of what getting to success actually looks like. Ninety nine percent of that shit is unsexy stuff (laughs) like like you know i i think about my own journey here with business ownership one first of all home care or anything health care related especially taking care of elderly people this is the most unsexy unfun business ever don't nobody i'm not called in the room to talk about home helpers don't nobody (laughs) want to hear about you know and, and and again, no shade to like, we love the cute products. We love the lifestyle. Like we need those, but mm-hmm. you know, service-based businesses, a lot of times we, we, we're not going to be the focus of conversations. Right. right. But it's the unsexy stuff mm-hmm. day in, day out of trying to lead 50 people to one goal trying to lead 50 people to just get to just show up to work like can we just get to work mm-hmm. number two can we just get to work on time right <laughs> you know who and for me i don't have time to now pick up a phone and say oh let me record this for content content co-. no i'm not doing that mm-hmm. I, I i i don't and at the end of my day i'm pretty much exhausted but in that book the outliers he talks about how it takes 10,000 hours Master. of consistent mundane doing the same shit over and over and over again to now get to this impactful level of genius right. or success or LeBron or Serena or Michael, mm-hmm. you know, name them, call them. Um, and that, that, that is the difference between the winners. And the non-winners. So, you know, if your results aren't showing up, you really got to take accountability and see, am I doing the real work that's going to lead to the results that I'm going to see? And the last point about that is most of that work as well is the work that you're going to do on yourself. Mm. Because you have to grow into that person. You know, Lieutenant Bianca uh, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, not even five years ago, was not prepared to have a million dollar agency mm-hmm. or a million dollar organization or be a published author. You have to grow into whatever that dream and that vision is for yourself before the things start to align for you. Absolutely. 
Wise words, wise words from Bianca Wise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Bianca, before we go, I usually end with rapid fire questions. Just where I ask you uh, a, a question, you give me the first thought, comment, sentence, uh, phrase that comes to your mind. Uh, so my first question for you here, Bianca, is what's one major takeaway or nugget from your book? Self-confidence. Mm. Believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, ain't nobody believing in you. Love it. <laughs> what is one goal that you have set for 2024 for yourself? To take the mindset snob to a global platform. Love it. And my last one is, what is a quote or a mantra that you're currently living by? Uh... I am that bitch. I've been that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's crazy. Love the first thing. No, but yeah, I'm gonna leave it at that. Yep, that's uh, it. That's I'm, a I'm, that's a mindset snob affirmation. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it, Bianca. Thank you so much. Now, Bianca, for those uh, people that are listening that want to reach out to you, maybe they want to join your community. Uh, maybe they want to purchase your book if they want to connect or collaborate with you in, in some way, shape or form, what is the best way for people to, to get a hold of you? Sure. So to answer the first question, the book is available everywhere. Books are sold. Amazon, Books a Million and Barnes and Noble. The playbook of a mindset snob, Mastering Your Mind for Success. And uh, anybody that want to reach out, hang out, join the community, just, you know, shoot shit, whatever. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at The Mindset Snob and also on Facebook at The Mindset Snob. Amazing. I love it. Uh, Bianca, thank you so much. And for my followers and my listeners, you know that I always end with like a nugget or a saying and I'm switching it up for 2024. And what I'm going to end with today is, you know, I'll just put it like this. Sometimes, well, we don't need to, to learn something new. We just need to hear or see that someone else is going through it. And I think through Bianca's story and her book, um, seeing the, the relatable things that she has gone through, I think a lot of us will be able to, to gravitate to that and know that it's possible. We can do it. It might be challenging most likely will be challenging, most likely will be difficult, mm -hmm. but it's possible. So again, sometimes we don't need to see or hear anything new. We just need to know that somebody else has been through it. So with that being said, guys, Bianca and myself are out. Peace and love until the next time. Mm -hmm.